We have a special treat for you this week. Our conversation with our special guest, Father Mark Mary, was so wonderful and so rich and so beautiful. We put it into two parts. So we hope you enjoy part one of Father Mark Mary talking about poverty, the conversion of heart, and the captivating reality of the heart of Jesus Christ. Hello, and welcome to season eight of the Abiding Together podcast. Abiding Together is a place where you can find connection, rest, and encouragement on your journey with Jesus Christ. My name is Sister Miriam James Hyland, and each and every week I am joined by two of my very dearest friends, Heather Kim and Michelle Bensinger. This podcast is born out of our friendship and sharing all kinds of things together. Our walk with Jesus, our insights, the lessons we are still learning, our joys, sorrows, tears, and laughter, and you are most welcome on the journey with us. You can find out more information about all of our episodes at abidingtogetherpodcast.com. But for now, grab a cup of coffee, settle in, and welcome home. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Abiding Together podcast, where we have another amazing guest for you, which you are absolutely going to love him, but we're going to make you wait to find out who that is. (laughs) So we have to say that Michelle Benzinger, you have another hurricane headed your way. Girl, do you have like a dish on the top of your house that is sucking all like low pressure over Pensacola? What's happening right now? Oh my goodness. I don't even know what to do. I told my one of my kids today, do not ask what can happen next because we've <laughs> talked about it before, unprecedented times. Mm-hmm. I'm done. I need some president. <laughs> I just need a week or two of president mm-hmm. times. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we're just praying. I'm praying for all the Gulf Coast. This will air right after the hurricane hits. So who knows what's going to happen. So just, yeah. But I was telling the girls through tears, and our guests through tears. Yeah, that it's just, it's hard when everything is changing for all of us and mm-hmm. when we don't have emotional reserves because there's so much change. But just trying to keep on doing the next right thing. So that is the state of the union over here. So, Heather, how are you up in Canada where there are not hurricanes? <laughs> yes, I got my first plaid shirt on of the Woo, season. Oh, girl, you rock chilly, that getting chilly mm-hmm. up here, but there's something just. Yeah, so comforting about that. I woke up this morning and put the fire on and yeah, just had some quiet time and it was just a beautiful way to start the day. So I am so ready for this conversation, excited to have it. And Mm -hmm. I'm so glad to be with you all. How are you, sister? Mm -hmm. I am doing well. And I'm excited for our guest too, because we've had to have him on before when there was another hurricane. So I think it's actually father who's probably doing this. I didn't want to say this out loud, but you know, (laughs) 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 we're just joking. So we're delighted to have you on and I'm going to let Michelle, your dear friend, father introduce you. So our, our audience can, can learn all about you and just to receive from you. So Michelle, would you like to introduce our guest today? I would. Our guest is the hurricane called Father Mark Mary. <laughs> hello, hello. The one that loves to talk a lot of smack about our podcast. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the one that he is a CFR priest, the Franciscan Friar, the Renewal. You've been a priest for... About two and a half years now. Two and a half years. And I met Father Mark Mary right before he was ordained a priest. We ended up working on a creative project together for Brother Isaiah Poco Poco Design Project. And he has actually become a dear member of our family. He's close to my husband. He's close to all of us, my whole entire family. And he likes to say he's the annoying brother that I never (laughs) knew I needed or wanted. And he plays that role so well. So welcome, (laughs) Father Mark Mary. Welcome to the Abiding Together podcast. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you for such a warm and beautiful introduction. You're welcome. You're welcome. (laughs) Heather, Sister Miriam, glad we can 
finally meet. At long last. Mm-hmm. So glad. This day has come. Now, mm-hmm. Mich- I am like, I'm just an annoying little brother. <laughs> that's just who I, that's, I'm, I can't fight it. <laughs> and um, why should you? Exactly. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So thank you for loving me anyway. Mm-hmm. We do. We do, Father. And really the first question we ask is the most important question. And it's all downhill after this. Um, the most important question we ask our guest is, how do you take your coffee? Can I throw you a curveball? Story answer? of your life. Go for it. <laughs> as long as I have my coffee and like a plain, boring mug, I'm happy. It can be any, it can be any way as long as it's caffeinated. Because like in the friary, we have a very austere aesthetic. I got that going on in my cell where I drink mm-hmm. my coffee in prayer. And if I bring in some like flowery Mickey Mouse mug or something like that, it just <laughs> which I'm me sure off. there's a lot in your fiery flowery Mickey Mouse mugs, I'm sure there are. You'd be surprised. <laughs> 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 so I like it caffeinated, and I like it in a boring mug. Mm-hmm. Okay, I just have to interrupt on this part. When he was visiting our house, he. I looked at his coffee mug. He had my wifey coffee mug. He thought it was funny to steal my favorite <laughs> coffee mug just to drink out of it. But, you know, that is what so. annoying younger brothers do. They do. You know? So when he is here, he likes to drink the wifey coffee <laughs> mug. But anyway, <laughs> you know. Well, Father Mark Mary, since I'm just meeting you for the first time and so is sister and mm-hmm. many of our guests are too, I would love to just know a little bit about your personal story. Like what led you to the CFRs? Do you have siblings? Just things like that. And really, when did you have your first encounter with the Lord? Mm. Sure. Yeah. So I grew up in Orange County, California. I kind of, I literally grew up on the street country club, uh, which Michelle. Country club drive. Likes to give me a hard time about. <laughs> yeah. And I, but I was, I was like a country club kid. So I grew up pretty, pretty wealthy, but like with really, really wonderful parents. And then I have an older sister and just really the, the soil that they laid when the gospel did come, when Christ did come, like it couldn't have been better. I really looked to, to college as where I had this moment of kind of the deeper conversion. I had a really beautiful community at my youth ministry. And so I was there like all the time, but it, it was in college where I'd been trying for this lie of living dynamic, which was like, you do one thing Friday, you do a different thing Sunday, like love Jesus, but don't get crazy. It was in college where the Lord, he basically showed me, I believe in it needs to affect my whole life. And, and very quickly, I felt that I kind of received the call to be a missionary very quickly. As I learned about the sacraments, I knew I wanted to be a priest and I was looking where, I, where can I love the poor? Like, not just as like a side hustle, but like with my whole life mm-hmm. and where can I, I be with brothers and where can I bring people to sacraments? It was an In-N-Out Burger, actually. In-N-Out Burger in in Anaheim Hills, California, where I heard about this group of hardcore friars in New York who sleep on the ground. And as a 19-year-old kid, it was the most intense thing I heard of. And that's what I was looking for. And uh, looked him up that night. And it was everything I was looking for. I, I, I entered the friars in 2009, so 11 years about. I could not love more being a friar and a priest, the brothers are incredible. But yeah, I, I just couldn't enjoy, be more grateful for the invitation to serve the Lord as a friar with brothers and as a priest. It's, um, I mean, I gave my whole life for it, so I knew it was gonna be good, but it's been even better than, than expected. So. That's amazing. That is amazing. So what was it like when you did your first visit though to the friars, when you did your first come and see, like how was that experience? That's hilarious. That's a great question. I just knew, I did not discern I, well. I heard the story I didn't before. have a spiritual director. I had nothing. So I didn't actually meet the friars. Like I, I redirected my whole life to becoming a CFR, where I went to school, all this stuff. I didn't meet them for like five years after that in and out moment. <laughs> but the funny thing is that my very, it was 
six o'clock office of readings first visit and I, I didn't drink coffee yet and it was so early and I sat back in the chapel and this like this total desolation is like I can't do this what am I doing there's no way I can do this just the early morning totally totally rocked me mm-hmm. I guess it I mean I guess it got better from there I don't it's funny like I just remember the brothers I remember them being real I remember them praying and I remember the guys with gray hair who were praying as well and like who were, who were serious as well and that was the, that was what I was looking for is like okay, this, this shows me that this is where with my whole life I can continue seeking the mm-hmm. Lord. I saw the other, the other brothers doing that. And so that's one of the things which was my big takeaway from those early visits. Father, that's really fascinating. And I, I this is great because I'm learning about your story in real time. And I find the details very interesting. That's captivating. How How is it that as you grew up, you, you really had, it sounds like the American dream, right? You're wealthy, you have a wonderful family. How does a man, how does it a plausible that a man in today's society who's, who's young and vibrant and masculine, all the beautiful things, how is it you could leave something like that and leave an idea of like a wife and a family and grow up very comfortably yourself? And how do you leave that and embrace a life that is so radically different and find fulfillment? I think people, whether that's chastity, whether that's poverty, whether that's obedience, people they admire that because they know it's something true and beautiful. And can you explain to us just how does that happen? I, I just find that fascinating. I, I don't know what to say except that the love of God is real mm. and experiential and not just a foreign idea. There was, there was encounters with the Eucharist and just as that, like that, that's not a thing, but that's a someone, right? And that mm. the Lord is there. The opportunity or the, the privilege of bringing people Jesus it just made sense to me. You know, it was a real grace. And then really like the desire for me, which burned through all other desires, wife, family, kids, career, all that sort of stuff really, really truly was the sacrament of confession. Mm. If, if I give my whole life and it meant another person could receive eternal life because of that, then it's a life. It's worth it. Mm. As a priest, it's also been one of the most incredible, probably the most incredible, experientially incredible joys being a priest and a minister of God's mercy and healing in that way it's the, the word privilege doesn't nearly do it justice mm-hmm. that's, so that's beautiful, beautiful. Mm-hmm. it is and I remember you telling me a story after you had gone to I think seek focus and you were just telling me that and I asked you what your favorite part was and you said the confessional I said hours upon hours of hearing and that was the answer I was expecting and you were just telling the beauty of that just the beauty of walking with these young adults and college students and being just a spiritual father to them and experiencing that sacrament of healing the the grace of it is so real right like I'm 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 a poor punk padre like I'm just I just show up and you just receive them but if you hear confessions somewhere like an hour you can see a number of people have years and years, decades of like burden lifted just like that. You get courtside seats to the work of God and mercy <laughs> and healing. And it's just like unbelievable. Mm. I, I love your vocation. I love it. Cause you know, really that's exactly what you're doing when Jesus tells the disciples to heal the sick, raise the dead and to cast out demons. Welcome to confession on a Saturday afternoon at a parish near you. You know, <laughs> I, it's just, oh, I, it's so stunningly beautiful. Your vocation is just so, especially in today's society, it's just so 
stunningly beautiful. I, I mean, mm-hmm. I just, oh, I, I love it. I love it. Yeah. And I, th- I think the thing that I love about that is that you are able to see people in their deepest poverty and bring the love of God there in a very tangible way. You know, that mm-hmm. should be at least the experience of confession is that at our lowest, at our little, most little places that we normally want to hide, that when we expose them to the light of God, that we are loved there and forgiven and set free there. And yeah, I would just love to hear more about the spiritual poverty aspect of your vocation, Father. I would love for you just to speak to that because it isn't something that we often hear about in the world. And I think it's actually desperately needed. So I'd love to hear your heart on that. Yeah, thank you. And it's it's really matured and developed a lot from over the last 11 years. So the friars, right, we take as many religious, most religious, these, the three vows of, of poverty, chastity, and obedience. And, and really the church looks to Franciscans in a special way to, to live poverty, the spirituality of poverty, to love the poor, all of that in an exemplary way. But as a young man, it was very much a way, it was, it was like being hardcore, right? Like I love the idea of like having a mat on the ground. I love the idea of, of being barefoot. But, but the, more, the more you go, like uh, the deeper you experience real poverty, I'll say two things. I'm going to say the tradition of it, particularly with St. Francis and Franciscanism, and then kind of an experience that I personally had where it kind of came home. For Franciscan, for St. Francis, right, this, it's it, whatever, it's Matthew 19, 29. Like, you're not going to give up anything that the Father's not going to repay a hundredfold. You're mm-hmm. not going to be outdone in generosity. And our evangelical poverty, like why we fought for it so strongly over the centuries, is this is the privileged space in the real stuff of our life that we give God an opportunity to be father to us mm-hmm. and we give God to provide for us. And it's, it's as concrete as whatever the bananas that get donated or the socks or whatever it is. Like we give God permission to love us and father us and he's faithful and he does it leaving behind some nice things for the treasure of intimacy with the father, for the treasure of this experience of his goodness I do it any day of the week, every day of the week. Like it just, it's, it's a, it's a no brainer in a lot of ways for me. Mm. And so tell us about a personal story where you've really encountered that. Okay. It was in Pashlancy, which is right uh, where the guys are just coming in. And I had a class of nine of us and there's probably five or six other friars in the house, maybe a little bit more, but these all guys, like, I'm like a dude, you know, and I want the dudes to like me and I, I, I want to be tough and I want to put on a good show and like I'd done my whole life, like that's just kind of what I, what I, I played, I was good at sports. So I played sports, you know, it was the hardest part of becoming a friar was singing in public for the first time. <laughs> and I remember it so clearly. It was like, it was my turn to lead some, some canticle or something like that. And I'd never, 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 never sung in public before. And so, so it's like, I might ask the, the priest and like, Hey, can I just like say, it? he's like, no, you got to do it. And I remember like restricted windpipe, sweating, heart beating, the whole, the whole nervous shock, anxiety thing happening just because I had to sing in public. I pushed out a little extra air, you know, I don't know if you could really call it singing. I gave it my best <laughs> shot and uh, it wasn't like, you know, it was a night, it was a, a total crash and burn. But what was fascinating is this, uh, the brothers didn't treat me any less, right? Like it was this incredible opportunity for me to be poor and weak before my brothers and to still be loved by them. Mm. This was new because my whole life, 
I'd excelled either academically or athletically and I could, I had the freedom and chose to do what I was good at. And so I got met at that level. And then for the first time in a religious life, particularly communal life, I got, I had to be seen where I wasn't strong and where I wasn't good, but I was still loved and still received there. And it's such a deeper experience of love. And it's, it's really, it's really freeing. I think you're talking about something very important there, Father. You're talking about the evangelical gift of poverty where we live like Christ. Like you and I are professing religious vows, you know, take on a special connotation to Jesus who's poor, chaste, and obedient, where we live, like you're saying very beautifully, in the providence of the Father. And I love that. And then, and you're also, you're talking about the theoretical poverty of you don't own anything, like neither do I, like we don't own anything. Like, and so that frees us to give ourselves more deeply to the kingdom and to not be concerned about the day's affairs. But I think what you're also talking about, which everybody as a Christian is called to in their own respective vocations. But I love, I love what you're talking about here because you're talking about also the personal poverty that many times we guard against at all costs and try to make ourselves wealthy. So we're never seen in want. So we're never rejected because we're afraid that if you saw me in my poverty, you would reject me like, like you're saying. And that, that, can you just talk a little bit more about that? Because that is an area we all relate to. Oh, so deeply. Every single human heart knows that fear of I am poor here. And if I'm seen here, I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. This is, this is just, it really is my heart. It's the same thing kind of that I expressed in, in the sacrament of confession. I kind of jokingly say it that like discipleship, it's going to look a lot more like, it's going to look a lot more like a delivery room than Magnolia magazine. Like <laughs> life, life is. Hold it. I'm so impressed that you even know Magnolia magazine. You must magazine. hang out with Michelle Benzinger. I, I have done Michelle... my job. I feel good. Did she give us some scripture? I feel good about that. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. You're, you're kind of like, you're like a Catholic Joanne again, <laughs> but, but right. Like it's, it's, it's messy and it's ugly and it's not, it's not all nice and tight and color coordinated. Like our discipleship, our walk with the Lord, we're fallen people in a fallen mm-hmm. world. The story of Christianity, it's never, it's never man like climbing up some mountain to God and like reaching him. It's always the story of God coming down in his mercy to us and lifting us up. And that's mm-hmm. how it is. And that's okay. To, I don't, I don't want to be, sort of um, flippant with this, but it's not about us. Right? Hmm. It's about him and his goodness and his love for us. Just us turning our eyes away from our poverty, actually, to his goodness and to his love and to his gaze. And then like receiving from him, like the truth of who we are, messy, broken, but beloved and his children. Hmm. And we just spend so much energy not receiving that. That's unfortunate. Yeah, we talk about that concept in several ways, and you're just describing it so beautifully because it's incredibly true. I think for so many of us is that our poverty, we often see it as the stumbling block, whereas actually it's the avenue by which God wants to come and meet us and where we get to see him in his magnitude. You know what I mean? Like, not that we could possibly ever perceive his entire magnitude, but it's like the poorer we are, the more places mm-hmm. he has to fill. Mm. And I agree. And I think there's something powerful with vows that you say, you know, Heather and I both have confessed our wedding vows. It's a love and honor and to cherish and sickness and in health. But for you both, you've taken this beautiful vow of poverty and chastity and obedience. So what blessings have you seen that have come out of the vow of poverty for both of you? 
Well, I think for myself, I I grew up very middle class, but I've always I have a tendency to like nice things. I've always liked nice things, and if you would have told me in high school or college that I would be a missionary and own nothing, I'd be like, "You're crazy." I have zero interest in that. I don't want to do that. I want to shop at Saks Fifth Avenue and be a very wealthy businesswoman. I don't want to do that. So for me, it was a profound conversion to what really matters, and you know, giving away all my stuff when I left, when I, you know, I entered religious life right after I graduated from college. And so giving away everything and coming to a community that I, we don't live poverty in the same way that the CFRs and the missionaries of charity do, but we, we live very simply. And we, and it was, it was a reorientation of my heart to what really matters and what makes me important or what is really valuable. And I can tell you now that after being in my community 22 years now, that is, it is so tremendously freeing. I don't, I don't own my own car. I don't own my own bank account. I don't, any donation that anybody makes to me goes to my community, every single cent of it. I live in a tiny little room in, in the corner of this house in the middle of cotton fields in Texas. And my life is very simple. It is very simple and it has cleared up my mind and my heart and set my heart on what is most important in so many different ways. And it's also a, a, a radical, like Father's life is, it's a radical witness of the primacy of Christ in all things. And, you know, there's a funny saying that nobody has a U-Haul at their funeral. It's it's gone. Like you can't take it with you. It's over. And, and beautiful things. It's not because the material things are bad. That's not it at all. It's not a disdain in a sense of, of something like that. But it's a renunciation of what is temporal for a reception of what is eternal. And that's the powerful life of Christ. And that's, you see that light, you see the life of Christ as father so beautifully says, is a life totally dependent upon the father. And he says, why are you worried about what you're going to eat or drink? Like, don't the, you know, don't the pagans worry about that? Look at the lilies. And so it's just been a, for me, uh, a needed thing. I don't, I, I, cause I would never have chosen this myself, but the Lord's like, I love you so much. And here's what you really want. <laughs> So I'm going to give this to you and make your life really well. And then your friends give you cosmetic bags because they don't like your Ziploc bags that you put all of your three ounce storage in. So they're like, they say to you, we can't stand this anymore. So here's a cosmetic bag to put your shampoo in. It's oh my gosh. Yeah, it really is. Sister, when she came to visit, <laughs> she had a Ziploc bag with all our toiletries. I'm like, I can't handle it. You need a pretty bag. Like I just <laughs> can't handle it. Aesthetics, you know. And so the kingdom of God is at hand and needs the cosmetic bag. Yeah. I'm sure that happened so. to you, Father, when you mm-hmm. went to see. This is how we compliment yes, each other. Yes, yeah. This is how we compliment each other. Yes. And so, Father Mark Mary, what about you? I'm first just it was nice to have a chance to sort of sit back and watch y'all do your thing a little bit. I, I get why you crush us. I get why, <laughs> I get why people say like, you guys are pretty good, but abiding together, they're on another level. It's true. It's well, true. If you only knew father. If you, uh-huh. <laughs> I'm going to, can I, I'm going to talk about maybe from the perspective of my first vows and my final vows and what, what happened there. It's fascinating. Like my first vows, when I made them, we just make them for a year. You know, some communities do three years or, or other you know, variations. We just do it for a year. And I was probably, I guess I was 25 at the time. And it was so emotional and it was such a big deal. And it was so kind of like terrifying, this idea of, of making a one-year commitment. Mm. And, and so I, I just remember it because it was just like, everybody's crying. It's just like, it's a huge thing. And part of it, I understand, but part of it is just like, it, it's scary. And then I fast forward the tape to, to my final vows, which were about, I guess, about three or four years later. And when I made final vows, it was like, it was steady. It was calm. It was mm. peaceful. And, and my reflection on it is, it's like you're, like you're getting out of the boat, like when you make your vows, like, okay, like, am I actually gonna be able to walk on water? Like, is the Lord really going to give me this grace? Is he going to be faithful? And over those years of living it, I'm like, yeah, he is. He is. And he's been faithful these, these few years. So I have no doubt he's going to be faithful 
for the rest of my life, right? So it's it's with poverty, chastity, and obedience. It's not a it's not a one way conversation or a one way profession. I think it's like I say like when we say like I will be poor, but the Father speaks back like I will provide, and I would say I will be chaste and I will be dependent on your love. And the Father says like I will love you with the love which satisfies. And I say I will be obedient. I'll listen. I'll go. And the Father says like and I will lead you like through good pastures, right? Like. And, and that's what I think is the greatest gift of poverty, but also the sort of, in a sense, the poverties of obedience or the poverties of chastity is like, it just gives the Father, that gives the Lord the opportunity to be who he says he is in the stuff of life. And it gives me the freedom and it puts me in the place to, to receive it. Mm-hmm. He has been faithful to his word and he has not been outdone in generosity on all of these, these areas. Wow, that is so powerful. And I think even just reframing that both, because we see, even when you hear, oh my gosh, they take a vow of poverty, or even like Heather, we have talked about spiritual poverty a lot on this podcast. It's a, a reoccurring theme that has come up over and over again. But just even turning that upside down on its head, that it isn't, it's poverty just means our hands are open to receive generosity and provision. Where we see lack, he's saying, no, I say abundance, like you were saying, Father. And what a beautiful gift that is. And what a beautiful gift that is to what there's power in these vows. There's power in the vows that Heather and I have said in marriage, but there's power in these vows that you all have said in religious life. And with that kingdom power brings it's upside down. It's the upside down kingdom, but it's the abundant kingdom, you know, that he is inviting each and every one of us to in some way, shape or form. Yeah, that's beautiful, Father. Thank you. And maybe if I can jump in one more time, because I don't want to overly sanitize or romanticize it either. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, like the the like the poverties we experience in all the different ways, like they're real, you know. And and they're when you're in it, it's like it's not doesn't feel good, you know. And it's and it's poverty with stuff that you actually care about. So because I think a lot of, of of your listeners are going to be in touch with that as well. Like I have this situation where I'm poor that I can't control if it's a son or daughter, right? Who's maybe left the faith and there's a poverty, like like the, the poverty is real, you know, and the concern is real, but so is the father's provision and the father's goodness. And, and he's at live and alive and at work in, in, in all of our lives. And we just have to kind of give him permission to do, do his thing in his time. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of that quote from St. Augustine where he says, God is always trying to give us good things, but our hands are too full to receive them. And it's that emptying of our hands and and choosing to trust. It really is a decision, you know, at some point to choose to trust God that he actually will fill them with good things. Like it, like you said, Father, like it's not just he's going to fill it with whatever random things. It's it's good things. He has good things for us. And I think what I was also just struck by as you were sharing, Father, is um, that it was a process for you. And I love the title of your podcast, Poco a Poco, means little by little. And I would just love to hear about that, like how that name struck you, what that means to you guys, like in the real tangible ways that you live to embrace our littleness um, on the journey. Can, can I share where that comes from? Yeah, yeah. please. I'm going to root it in the tradition because I think that's important. And then the very practical is like when we became what's called a pontifical, right? Which is kind of like you're a grown up community. The friars did in, in 2016, I think. One of the things that Rome says like that Basically, the vocation of the friars is to give a witness, prophetic witness, that life is a pilgrimage to the Father, made of faith, hope, and love. Like so, this pilgrimage idea—it's—it's it's part of our thing. It's part of our, our charism. But it was when I was living in Honduras 
in Honduras, the Friars, we have a, a medical center called San Benito, St. Benedict jo Joseph Medical Center, which offers totally free care to the poorest of the poor. And we're talking very, very poor people. Part of the nature of just how these things work is uh, patients would come and sometimes they'd come from four hours, like from the mountains from or even further. Um, we had one woman who showed up at the door at nine in the morning who was pregnant to receive some help from like our sort of prenatal, the St. Gerard program there. And she left her house at three in the morning. She'd like by nine, she'd already been on the road for six hours because this was the closest place that she could get help. But the, so these people who are really poor and beat up and really suffering would wait outside of the, the, the clinic for uh, some, for sometimes all day or most of the day. And one of our friars, um, he would go and he'd visit them and he couldn't speak Spanish. Well, he's like, he's like the real, he's the real deal. He's the real deal. He couldn't speak Spanish. He'd bring this laminated image of Our Lady of Guadalupe and a song sheet because he couldn't like have conversation with them. So he'd sing praise songs with them in Spanish. Um, but one of the things he would say to them as an encouragement is somos peregrinos, like we're, we're pilgrims, poco a poco, vamos a llegar. Little by little, we're going to make it. And just this encouragement for all of us who are on the pilgrimage, all of us who are struggling, like we have the grace to make that next best step. Poco a poco, little by little, the, the spiritual journey, it's a real journey. Be okay with that, that, that we know where we want to get. Maybe we're not there yet, but let's just keep making the next best step little by little. Isn't that really all any of us can do too? That's so, it's so beautiful. And that is the, the graduality of even our conversion that every one of us, it is little by little. And I think many times we want to arrive, quote unquote. We talk about that a lot. <laughs> and Lord's like, and the Lord says, I'm pleased to have you on this journey with me. <laughs> you will continue on it. And, and here we are being transformed. Thank you so much, Father. It's been a delight to have you on the show. And as I'm sure you know, that every at the end of every episode, we have a one thing or two one things or three one things that are really speaking to your heart. So we're going to let you sit on yours for just a second and, and either figure out what it is or <laughs> distill it down to a couple. But Heather, would you like to offer our friends, our listeners, your one thing for the week? I have two this week. There's a lot of good things happening out there. And uh, anyway, the first one is... This young man who is on his way to becoming a saint, uh, Carlo mm. Acutis. I don't even know if that's how you say his name. Is that is that right? But I, I saw these photos like coming up of this young man and started to read his story. And he passed away in 2006 from leukemia. He was 15 years old. But his whole life was just about loving Jesus. And this he's so accessible. He's got his little Nike sneakers on. Yeah. And I thought, wow, uh, best ever uh, promo for Nike that, <laughs> that his shoes are on a soon to be saint. Anyway, I would just encourage our listeners to look him up and read his story. And in particular, you know, that he could potentially be an intercessor for our children. And um, I've already started to ask him to pray for our son. So, yeah, I just love his story. I love that he's real, that he's relevant, that he's now. And and some people are calling him, you know, the, the patron of the Internet. So uh, that was wonderful. And then also there was this sweet little video that I came across called The Dumpster Fire in the Garden by Br Brad Montague. And it was so charming and cute and kind of funny. But it was, with it. I it was it. so impactful. Like it really was like a really powerful little video. And I looked up Brad. I was like, who is this genius who created this video? And he's the the guy behind the kid president. And I was like, oh, man, this guy is gifted. So anyway, look that up. It's going to make your day. Just watch that little video and we'll have it in the show notes and on the website. So, Michelle. 
What is your one thing? My one thing is actually a project that Father Mark Mary and I worked on together. We developed with OSB these saint story cards, and they are four different saints, Mother Teresa, John Paul II, St. Francis, and St. Therese. And they're cards for children that have artwork on the front of them and that you ask questions that are interactive and pray. And when you go through the cards, you can put them all down in a certain order and it shows this beautiful painting mosaic when they're all together of the saints' lives. And it was a blast of a project to work together. It was amazing to work with the artists that we were able to. It was so fun to work with Father Mark Mary, even though, you know, he was going to diss St. Clair at one point. But other than that, it was an amazing just, I love it. I love it. And it was really good for me to see. We gave it to some younger children and they went crazy over it. They absolutely loved it. So yes. So all the same story cards are my one thing. I can't wait for the borders to open so I can get my hands on some of these beautiful things. Honestly, this has got to end. Seriously, <laughs> seriously, this has got to end. No, no. Sister, what about you? Uh, my one thing is a song that came up in my Spotify playlist that, you know, they suggest random artists. And there was a just a couple songs that I was, that this, I said, that's so beautiful. And I started listening to this artist and she has a song called Today. You talk about spiritual poverty and little, you know, childlikeness. The song is called Today If You Hear Him. And the song is by Taylor Leonhardt. And she's saying in the gist of today, if you hear him, if you hear him calling across the valleys, don't be too grown. You go run to him. Let's become like little children today. And that pierced me. I absolutely loved it. And it's such a call to all of us, to the little places within us that are so lovely and so delightful. And would we never be too grown, right, to go to rest in the heart of our Father? So that's my one thing today, if you hear him by Taylor Wienhardt. Father Mark Mary, what is your one thing besides me? What is your one thing? Oh, you're cute, <laughs> Michelle. Thank you. Um, I know. My I know. one thing is, can I, can I, can I st- keep being a punk and have a little bit outside the box one thing? I'm going to steal it. You can have whatever you want, Father. My one thing I'm going to take from James and Peter and John and Paul. Because Galatians 2.10, it, it, it's, it's, my, it's like, it's, my one thing is to, to go visit this verse, right? So, so Paul, he comes and he meets the pillars of the church and they have the conversation. He says, yeah, they gave us, me and Barnabas, they gave us their blessing to go to the Gentiles. They only asked one thing of us, that we'd be mindful of the poor, uh, the one thing we'd already been doing. And, you know, as they got together, the one thing was be mindful mm. of the poor. And so I just encourage our listeners to... So with our our great saints to um, to be mindful of the poor this Mm. week. Amen. Thank you so much for coming on the Abiding Together podcast, Father. We are delighted to have you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. (laughs) And yes, dear listeners, this week, perhaps we could look into our lives and see where is the Father providing for us? Where is he delighting to provide for us? And who are the poor amongst us? And can we be mindful of them? And just asking the Holy Spirit to open our eyes to the poor so that we can receive them and receive Christ in little by little. We will reach our eternal home. So until next week, we will be abiding together. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you liked it, would you please share it with a friend? We encourage you to head over to our website, abidingtogetherpodcast.com, where you can find all the show notes, links to our one thing, transcripts, group discussion questions for each episode, and beautiful mugs, t-shirts, journals, and prints in our shop. There you can also subscribe to receive our weekly email with links to each new episode and all of its content. We'd love to connect on social media and invite you to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter so you can catch inspiring reflections every day. 
You're also welcome to join our private Facebook group and dive deeper into discussions with our fellow listeners. If the podcast has blessed you, would you prayerfully consider financially supporting us? The Abiding Together podcast is only available due to the generous support of our listeners. There are significant costs associated with creating this content, such as tech support, design, website, equipment, and hired staff that we need to be able to continue offering great content to you. Abiding Together is a nonprofit 501c3, and all donations are tax deductible. You can make donations of any amount through a website called Patreon, or you can send us a check directly if that's easier. If you donate $15 or more per month on our Patreon page, you become a tribe member and you will receive monthly individual videos from Michelle, Heather, and I, as well as other exclusive content, recipes, playlists, downloadable prints, and more. You can find all the information about Patreon at patreon.com forward slash abiding together. Thank you and God bless you.